this is gonna be one where it's okay if you keep your missilettes out. I'm gonna walk through all of the readings because it seems just so necessary on this day of the Most Holy Trinity. Uh, one, to prevent me from preaching heresy, <laughs> but two, just the readings are so powerful in expressing the mystery of, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's important, right, to get, to get God right. You know, they say when they teach us philosophy, a small error in the beginning leads to a large error in the end. Sort of like when you're trying to put a man on the moon, you know, if you have a slight couple degrees off in your angle, you'll totally miss the moon. And when you miss the moon, you don't land among the stars, you die in the vacuum of space. So let's not miss God, okay? Let's not miss the moon. Get God right. We come to this book of Exodus, and it's important to realize uh, the moment that this scene takes place. It's early in the morning. Moses went up Mount Sinai, but this is not the first time he goes up the mountain. He's already been up there to receive the word of the Lord, to receive God's very self, his identity, his word, and bring it back to Israel. But he brings it back, and Israel got God wrong. They're in pagan worship. And it's funny, right? Because worship and love sort of go hand in hand. The way you worship is also the way you love. And so the, the worship that they're involved in and the love they're involved in is a love of sort of sensual pleasure, a love of mere desire. And that is an aspect of love, yes, but it's, it's sort of the, the lowest and the bottom aspect. It's the aspect of the worship of the pagans. The pagans often had this sort of sensual worship, this sort of idea of love as just fulfilling whatever base desires that are on the human heart. But there's more to love than that. And so early in the morning, Moses goes back up and asks him, you know, for more than just the Ten Commandments, asks that God be with us, that God just come down and be with them. Moses can't do it on his own. Asks again for his name. And so the Lord replies, with that same name that he gave in the burning bush in the beginning of the book of Exodus, but there's something different this time. He doesn't just say, I am who am, the Lord, as his name. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. You know, there's sort of this mystery of the three in one. You know, God is not just one. And this changes the way we worship God. This changes the way we love God. You know, God is love. God is Trinity, that's really the same thing. A God who is only one can be conceived that, okay, he's, he's one, he's off to his, his self, you know, and if he is to love the greatest thing, well, the greatest thing is God. So if he only loves himself, that seems like a very selfish God, a very selfish love. But if God is three in one, then he himself is a communion of persons, a communion of love. It changes the way we look at what love is. So I mentioned, you know, the pagan worship, the pagan love. You know, there's also various other ways religion has approached worship and approached love throughout the history of the world. You know, there's sort of the, the love of duty, you know, just like a, a father and a mother have to love their children. A children, children have to love their father and mother. There's sort of a duty, dutiful love. Sometimes that's what people think religion is. It's just we have to love God. It's our duty, merely. You know, some of the, you know, I think of sometimes Islam is this kind of religion of submission to God simply out of duty. And that's how you love. That's how 
you fulfill your worship. I also think of a love sort of of this personal growth. You know, we love others not because of them, but because it makes ourselves better. And certainly, again, love is a duty. Love does make ourselves better and grow. Uh, But this sort of Eastern kind of love, this sort of Buddhism and that kind of worship of maybe not so much God, but sort of achieving uh, your own divine perfection. Again, that's a part of love. We're supposed to be transformed into the love of God, but it's also got to be for others. The fullest definition of love is to will the good of the other. And again, that's what we get in Trinity. God, who doesn't simply, you know, love himself, right? He does love himself. That's the perfect thing to love is God. But the Father pours himself out for the Son. The Son returns that love to the Father, and that love itself is the Holy Spirit. And so it's, again, this willing the good of the other, which is the perfect expression of love. And that changes us. You know, we come to the Psalms. Again, a funny context of these Psalms. It's actually not from the Psalms at all. It's from the prophet Daniel, the three young men who are cast into the fire. Uh, Again, because they won't engage in false worship, a worship that's merely, again, that lowest form of love. Uh, They know, they pour themselves out, uh, giving themselves for the good of the other, for the good of Israel. So they're thrown into the furnace, that fiery furnace, but the fire does not consume them. It's very much like the burning bush. The bush was on fire, but was not consumed. And so the presence of God is made aware to the king that threw them in. He sees one like the son of man. He's one like the Lord Jesus, almost. This invitation to the mystery of God, who is love. And seeing these three young men giving themselves in love for the sake of their people, uh, the king sort of converts over. And so also with the Trinity, this, this blazing love that does not consume, does not destroy us, is not out to submit us, is not out to crush us is out to not condemn the world, but to save it. And so coming to the gospel that God so loved the world. You know, when you get the Trinity right, when you get God right, everything else falls into place in scripture. Even, you know, troublesome lines like this whole idea of condemnation. How could a God of love condemn others to hell? But again, this passage of St. John makes it makes it clear God did not come to condemn, but rather those who don't entrust themselves to God, they condemn themselves. They sort of cut themselves off from the source of love, choosing the love of self, choosing again their own desires, maybe their own duties, their own idea of success, their own self-aggrandizement, their own self-progression, choosing those lesser forms of love than the source of love itself. So brothers and sisters, let us get God right. Let us orient ourselves to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to that communion of love that created us, that redeemed us, that sanctifies us, that is presented here before us in Eucharist, in this communion of persons. For God is love.